Hello and welcome to episode 317 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, uh, Mike Apps, aka uh, that guy. And with me as always, that other guy. Suffering from uh, pre-birthday existential nightmares, David McGurney, fanboy master. I'll just wait until you're 40. <laughs> Buddy, uh, I, not... I need you to understand that I was uh, <laughs> that I have spent much of my life assuming I will not reach forty. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I can tell you, I'm having some sort of recurring issue that I know is not actually heart attacks because I've had it checked out, mm. but it's it's not fun. Yeah, no, these, this is a different kind of existential nightmare from like literal. Uh, body failing and more just like a something will end me horribly <laughs> mm. that's fine let's move on um, how is any of that fine <laughs> it's not it's fine in the wrong. sense that we can't address it here oh okay <laughs> well happy birthday <laughs> it's yeah. not until next it's not until a week from uh saturday so it's right. fine like i said well, i'm gonna be I'm going to be out of town the entire next week, so I'll have to wish you a birthday right now. Uh, that's very kind of you, either way. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, th that does remind me that uh, you started talking, but you haven't introduced yourself. Oh, yes, yeah, so yes, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijin Nogatari. Yes. Uh, uh. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of anything interesting this week. Wasted all my energy on the Mission Impossible intro last week. <laughs> don't, don't. You never even said your, like, actual handle. You just said Mike Apps Ud for, like, ten seconds and said, uh, it's true. Uh, Guy. <laughs> on that guy, That's Ask Wheels, one. which is still yeah. a, a dumb, huge <laughs> name. It was ingrained in my brain for a period of a decade or so, and then I said, I'm just going to use that, why not? Wheels, I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah. You're co-hosting opposite someone whose nickname is Fanboy Master. That's fair. There's nowhere Good to point. go but up. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, that Mission Impossible movie. It's really good. It looks real good. It's mm -hmm. really good. I have... I might have a complaint about it, but I have to see the second part. You're going to have to wait. Hold on, your complaint until Dead Reckoning 2. Yes, because uh, this is Mission Impossible, so... Yeah, I'm not going to say any more about than other than... Yeah, it was really good. I just think uh, it's something that can theoretically be resolved by the sequel. <laughs> a thing that happened that could be a fake-out. Mm. But I can't confirm that until I see the sequel, so... Yeah, so we'll see how things go. We'll see. But yes, uh, very, very excellent. So I assume movie. you've been playing the. I assume you've been playing the Mission Impossible Nintendo 64 game. Dear God, no, no. I've just I went back and rewatched the original Mission Impossible because I hadn't in my rewatches. Brian before, De Palma flick. Before the uh, seeing the new one, and it is still excellent, although very largely very different from all the movies that followed it. <laughs> It was, it was made at a different time with a very different uh, intent, at least in part by virtue of the fact that uh, it was meant to, like, it was assumed at that time that you knew what this TV series was. Yes. Uh, but I, I did watch some YouTube video that was analyzing, like, 
why it's an excellent movie, and they did confirm that the character that goes bad is supposed to be the protagonist of the original show. Protagonist? Oh. Yes. Yes. The uh, the leader of the yeah the, the I am MI Jim in, the, in the TV series. Which I guess is one of the reasons uh, members of the cast of the original. Show, they were very pissed at that yes, film. They were very angry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Fire asks if anyone here is a fan of that TV series, and it's like I've, I've just never had the chance to watch it. Yeah, it seems like it'd be fun in a '70s sort of fashion. Yeah. I've just never gotten. Around Oddly to enough, it. I did actually rent most of the series from Geo Geo over here many years ago to watch <laughs> with some younger friends. Younger when I say younger, I mean elementary school boys. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so we were just laughing at, it, especially um, an episode where what the lady on the team was doing her makeup and she had an eyelash curler out. <laughs> and one of the guys on the TV show was asking what kind of torture device that was. <laughs> and we were all laughing because the boy's mom had those things, and she used them regularly. <laughs> Naturally. But we all knew what it was. Eyelash curlies, great. <laughs> well, yeah, I would like to check out that TV show at some point. Yeah, it was pretty good. Counts. Fairly fun. Yeah. But yeah, new movie, awesome. Um... Much Old movie is also awesome. <laughs> much to do about that the motorcycle stunt he does, which yes, it looks really cool, but what really sells the movie is the train sequences, which you'll hmm. know are awesome because they built a real live working train to film on and then destroy. And very it, it helps a lot when it's not just a slurry of CG. Yes. <laughs> it helps a lot. And oh boy. Yeah. Very good movie. That's all, that's all I'll say about that. Hmm. It is the end of movie But what time. have you been playing? I've been playing. Can I talk about what I, the comics I've been reading? Should we save that for later? No. Okay. Save it for later. Okay, I'll <laughs> save that rant for later. Oh, God. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've been playing Legend of Heroes a lot. Hooray! Uh, I finished two chapters in Trails in the Sky, second chapter, and partway through another one, where I may have actually finished it, except I wasted time trying to beat a monster blocking the road, and then realized, hey, there were two ways to get to this royal villa, weren't there? <laughs> Fuck. Good work. Well, I did kill the monster, so there's that. Yeah, that could do that could do brainer point. Yeah, uh, but I've been facing the dilemma of who do I want in my party. You have so, like in it's it's wild to jump from first chapter to second chapter because first chapter your party is always controlled by the story, right? And then second chapter, it's like, hey, remember all those people that were in your party in first chapter? Well, now you get to just decide who's going to be with you. <laughs> yeah, and it's... So, the party I actually want for battle is not necessarily the party I want for, like, story purposes. <laughs> so, sadly... Oh, God. I always think of him in my brain as Oliver. I know that's not how what his actual name is. Olivier? Yes. Sadly, he is on the bench. He's like the best mage in the game. I know he is, but... <sighs> when Chloe for a healer, and then Punchy Man, 
cannot uh, remember his name for the life of me. I wanted because he's like Ben. Yes, he's like several levels higher than the rest of the party. So he will probably eventually be subbed out for Olivier, but for now he's in the party. I think what's my final? I think my final party with uh. Even count as a spoiler that some of these people finally fully join your party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. It was. Play the series. Uh, I don't care. Go ahead. It was Estelle, Joshua, Kevin, and Olivier. Ah, nice. Uh, also, while playing it this past weekend, though, I s discovered that I should not Google any character's name that I meet and I'm Never. curious about whatsoever. Never. If you need info about them, ask me. Yes, but if you I Google them, you're going to hear future. spoilers for like Trails and Trails from Trails into yes. Reverie or some shit. Yes, uh, I have a... Well, I'll get to Trails and Reverie in a minute. Not that I've played it. I'll get to yeah. that in a second. So yeah, I met in doing some mission in... Uh, Air Lutton, I think it was, like the waterfall. Yeah. The party meets a little purple-haired girl and her parents. Oh, she is... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Googling her is just a giant pile of landmines all placed yes. on top of each other. So I googled her because I'm like, wow, this character seems important because she has like a character portrait even though this meeting seems like incredibly innocuous. So yeah, I googled her name and when it came back with a certain last name i was like oh i probably shouldn't be looking at this on the bright side and most of her the game will mostly have resolved her plot by the end of trails from zero okay that's good so you didn't you didn't hit something super out there okay but still uh, yes that was a good yeah. lesson in don't fucking do this and yeah if, you, if you're curious just ask me <laughs> which is also a good thing to remember because Yes, as people listening to the show may know, I've been buying all the Trails games, Collector's Edition, because, yeah, if I don't, they don't, will don't be much more expensive. So I got the Trails Into Reverie Special Edition with the plushes. Oh, I'm jealous. I wonder which, if they're machines. Which comes <laughs> into, I believe, it comes with, um, uh, uh, it's the protagonist of Cold Steel and, uh, Zero. And some masked and guy who came in a yellow bag, and I was like, why? Oh, the masked guy was the new protagonist that was added right. for... So I was like, why is this in a bag? And opened it up and realized, oh, the mask opens up. The mask can come off, yeah. This plushie and is And that would reveal spoiler. who it was. Yes. <laughs> so I carefully tucked the mask in neatly into the hood of the plushie and will now have to put it somewhere high where it would be very difficult for me to reach so curiosity will not get the better of me although it may even if I took the thing off it may be like a um, <laughs> it's fully the Wally West I have no yes, idea yes that's exactly the reference I was going to bring up <laughs> like I have no <laughs> idea who this is so yeah uh if you want to play this series, don't do the things I did. Stay away from Google. Just make a note, this character seems important, and move on. Because they probably are. The one thing I will say is that like anything with spoilers actually worth knowing, 
like the story is not ruined by having a surprise spoiled. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But it is one of those things that, like, if you want to experience it as it was intended to be experienced, you got to be very careful about googling any of these characters. Yes. Uh, did anyone here encounter the bug in Reverie that characters normally speaking in English did su uh, suddenly speaking Japanese in their victory lines? I have not played it yet because I haven't finished Cold Steel. My uh, copy will franchise. probably be sealed for another year. So. Yeah. That's ambitious, but I believe in you. Yes. No, I fully expect to be playing Zero by October. Hell yeah. I can't that's, that's the plan. Clear on to Azure. So, I, I would so. love to get to Azure because I think it may be a RPG of the year contender, an RP gamer, but I just I don't think that's realistic, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm going to try. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, our wards aren't like compiled till January, so I have a little more time than like the end of the year, but still, I don't I don't know that that's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. But at least the good news is, like, I'm definitely playing through second chapter quicker than I did on first chapter because it's on Steam Deck. It's got the cloud save. I don't have to worry about that. I can switch between my computer and the Steam Deck. Once I get to games on Switch, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. Well, zero on, and then, zero on Ash. And then back to Vita for two games, which will also be fine. Those also have cloud saves, so. Let's see. Fire Miner asks Trails first or Disgaea 7 first? Um, I mean. It's going to be kind of both. They, you can reasonably play those. Yes, those fill different niches in my brain i know for most people it's like here's a jrpg and here's a jrpg it's not tactical really, rpgs yeah a very different role yeah. i'd like to also point out something that i'm noticing while watching wheels play disguise 7 on the stream which is this is a much more japanese styled uh world than usual yes maybe it's because i haven't checked in in a while but oh no this is this is definitely unique much. to this game I think they touted that when they first announced it, too. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it was, it's definitely... It, it looks like a bit of an aesthetic swing. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I will say, so far, just I've played two stages in the demo. The numbers are so far... They seem to have they rolled nice. back. Yes, I have a character that's level 1, and I have a character that's level 3. Oh fuck! Where are all my characters? Oh god, yeah, it doesn't auto do the hospital anymore. It doesn't, does it? Right. Fuck. <laughs> also, Fireminer points out that broke on the Saturn got a translation. I should look into that. Mm. Uh, but anything else you were playing, Wales? Um, uh, I mean that's pretty much it. Just uh, Destiny's been quiet. Um, mm -hmm. Thankfully. The... The lack of an increase in the power level this season has been great for me because it's, <laughs> it's, it's been less for me to do. And I've honestly, I honestly, so some of the end, like the end of season stuff I do, like uh, the Grandmaster GMs, which mm -hmm. is like one of the hardest activities in the game. I won't go into it more than that, but they're really hard. They actually started those earlier this season, so I was actually able to finish those earlier. Oh, yeah. So now, now I honestly just get to like mess around, play some PvP, which I haven't honestly done that much of, uh, which has been refreshing. So, 
It's been nice to get back to a place where I can just hop on, do a few things, and be done, which is kind of what I used to do in the original Destiny, which is honestly why I loved it so much. Get on, play some PvP, do some Prison of Elders. All that progresses you along. And it was great. So, yeah, that's, that's, other than that, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter with Pew. And we, the, the master level stuff in Monster Hunter Rise is kind of a lot more extensive than I even thought. Like, I'm up to master rank, like, 50-something, and I mm -hmm. feel like I've very barely scratched the surface of, like, some of the higher level stuff. It's ridiculous. Uh... So yeah, uh, I'm don't not gonna need a new Monster Hunter for a while, but I feel like we're gonna hear about one in the relative near oh, future. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. It's been all Monster Hunter and trails, and we'll probably continue to do con continue to be that for a while. <sighs> I'm still just randomly doing stuff on Romancing Saga because I. I know I have completely messed up about half the quest lines in the game. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I just want to actually get to the point where I can reasonably beat the game. Gotcha. But also, I'm leaving for Tokyo in like three days, so I've got that time limit too. A fun trip, I'm sure. But otherwise, right here, I'm... Ugh, I really wish I knew exactly what was wrong here. Um... Mm -hmm. But, um, like I said, I'm, I'm quite sure it's not actually a heart attack. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's a certain kind of comfort, although anything that feels like a heart attack is uh, no, I, um, unsettling. <laughs> there's a clinic right around the corner from my school, so I, I went there last week. Um, mm -hmm. or, yeah, it would have been last week. Um, and I was having a similar episode, and so I had, it was my second EKG of the week, actually, oddly enough. Oh, fun. Yeah, but I mean, um, if it gave a completely normal, healthy heartbeat within 20 minutes of onset of symptoms, so there's obviously not what I'm thinking. Something it is. else happening here. Yeah, that their um, yeah their diagnosis was neuralgia. Hmm. What's that? Basically a um, basically a pulled nerve or something like that. Ooh. Um, I mean, that's rough, exactly but real, I suppose but, it beats yeah. the alternative. Yep. <laughs> it just means that occasionally at semi-random intervals, I have a tight feeling in the muscles of my chest, mm. combined with my sinuses going wonky on one side, and a brief chill. Which, yeah, I can see how that would read as heart attack, but glad yep. to hear that it probably isn't. Yeah. Yep, so, and all I've got is some acetaminophen to take. Oh, well, hope things, hope things improve. Oh, okay, I've got a uh, really odd question here. Hmm? Um, I was just going through... Um, oh, you know, I'm on Quora a lot, just to look at random yeah, questions. Yeah. And, things. and there was a question on, what is this game? I'm like, I have, n I have no idea what this could be. I'm kind of curious, too. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you guys had any ideas. Can at least try. <laughs> yeah, was, this guy was asking about a DS game. Okay. It has a boy who meets a creature who gives him powers. 
which is kind of general so far. Yeah. And um, and he doesn't go to school. He's been bullied by the class president. And see, and he has to fight against creatures that take control of humans. Hmm. And one of these is his homeroom teacher, who um, uses a device called the Study Wave to force students to learn stuff. Huh. A lot of kids' games that could be. Yeah, and so that's all the context I've got here. I don't even know if it was. I don't even know what country he's from. Um, yeah, that'll also affect things. Yeah. Yeah, nothing immediately coming to mind. I don't even know what genre it is. Yeah, honest. that's the um, other thing. Sounds like a visual novel. Yeah, the yeah, I, it does I, make I, me think I, a bit of Lux Pain, but possibly not. Yeah. It was a DS visual novel that got uh, badly uh, localized into English by Ignition back in about '09, I think. It was DS. DS, yeah. I think it's a little more uh, quote-unquote serious than that sounds like it's going for. I guess to round out what we've been playing, uh, I think since last time we uh, podcasted, I have uh, purchased and completed Final Fantasy 3, the Pixel Remaster. Woo! Rolling them credits. <sighs> making up for making up for the last time that I played on the DS where I got to end game and then got just, I could not do that last dungeon. That's uh, fair. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, uh, Fireminer asking, can you please tell me again the name of the game you're talking about? And if it's if it was from the Korra question, we don't know the name. That's the problem. Uh, otherwise, Gaijin was talking about uh, Romancing Saga before. Hmm. But yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say something about it. But yeah, so I played through the FF3 Pixel Remaster. I think if you want to play the game officially in English, that's pretty much definitely the version you want to play, even if I still take a lot of issues with some of the aesthetic choices that they made for the Pixel Remasters. Mm -hmm. the, uh, in general, the quality of life, the... Uh, if, you, if you like the... Uh, orchestrated music, uh, it's definitely very well done, but you can also just throw on the uh, NES music, which is what I ended up using for most of the game. Uh, you've got uh, just general, uh, the ability to just sort of loop your last set of commands in battle can be quite useful, can really speed those things along. Uh, F3 is a really weird, quirky game. Uh, I'm going to understand that, like, in Japan, nostalgia for 8-bit Final Fantasy is primarily FF3 nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I can see why, because in a lot of ways it's kind of like 
a more fully realized uh, idea of uh, than it's a more fully realized version of FF One. Uh, yep. And uh, I did I, I did definitely enjoy it a lot more than I did on DS. I think that the game is severely hampered by being slow, and just removing that millstone helped it a lot. Uh, I'm gonna even like FF2 again. I think that I FF2 is, FF2 is niche is niche in both Japan and America. I think, but yeah. uh, but I mean, I like to, but yeah, we're we're a biased sample. Um, but yeah, uh, FF3 seems like kind of the the. Very, very much where a bit Final Fantasy nostalgia is in Japan. Uh, oh no. Oh no. What's up? Oh no. What's up? I got to the intro to Geoblocks level in this demo. I can't oh, you're read fucked. what any of these panels do. I have no do. idea what any of these do. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I've been having a lot of. Uh, I had a fair bit of fun with that. Uh, it's interesting to replay it. And fully reflect on how mostly useless about half the jobs in that game are. Uh, or what you would describe as esoteric usage in tabletop games. So you, they have maybe precisely one use. Yeah, a lot of them have like one use. Like Dragoon has one use. Geomancer has one use. Scholar. Uh, Scholar has one use. And the game is pretty overt with like... There's just an NPC that's like, Hey, the boss that's in this area, he changes his weakness. You better have a scholar to analyze what his weakness is. <laughs> like, well, thanks, or game. The, or the dragoons with that one boss. Yeah, there's one boss where you just need to be jumping constantly or you'll get zapped to death. Um, and the one cave where you need Mystic Knights because anyone else will cause more monsters to happen whenever you hit something. Oh yeah, they're they're dark. They they translated that job. It's Dark Knights here, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's that that one cave with the splitting enemies, and you gotta very cruelly uh, placed where where the first like actual weapon that a Dark Knight can use. Uh, in in the DS version, they actually expanded what equipment the Dark Knight could use quite extensively to allow a lot of like normal knight swords. Because in the uh, Pixel Remaster, and as far as I can tell in the Famicom version, there are four swords that, uh, <laughs> that a Dark Knight actually can use. Uh, it's, it's very small. And there is a smaller dungeon that has those like splitting enemies that you can only... Uh, you cannot actually get any of those swords before it, so you just kind of have to uh, run your way through that smaller dungeon and then go to the optional town that has Dark Knight equipment, get some Dark Knight equipment before you do the uh, larger dungeon that requires the Dark Knight uh, in order to do. Uh, there's several dungeons where you have to be minied the entire time just to make everyone a mage for a little while. Yeah, that one... Um one C serpent eye. Yeah. yeah that, that was fun. And not necessarily a fun way. 
Fire Miner asks when the last time a Final Fantasy added any never before seen jobs. And I mean, it depends, like, a lot of times they like renaming, uh, they like giving things new weird names. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Final Fantasy III definitely had the largest percentage of completely new jobs. Yeah. Um, but Final Fantasy V reinvented several of these things to be usable. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ones that aren't really hmm. worthwhile in three that five gives at least like some broader use for at least like by virtue of the mastery system because like three has yeah. no concept of carrying anything from job to job there are some jobs that are just the same but better like so what was geomancer for in Final fantasy 3 uh in 3 there is like one area where you have to be minied that it's useful to use the geomancer because all of their like geomancies are free and hmm. uh you can just like swap in, uh, and in that particular dungeon they're all quite strong but hmm. uh, in five, they added uh, the notion that oh, the geomancer doesn't get affected by damage tiles, which uh, can be a useful uh, secondary effect. Uh, but yeah, th three's uh, three's got a bunch of jobs that are like they're good. But there's not a lot because of the way that the <clears throat> the the job system works. There's not a lot of reason to ever use them because they're they're fine, but they're too similar. They they don't offer enough of an advantage over something that you probably already have a few dozen job levels in. Yeah, like that's the issue. Yeah, and because you know nothing transfers between them. Like the only thing that is. Uh, that fully transfers between jobs is your HP, and your HP is an esoterically calculated function of the base vitality of the job you have uh, affects uh, plus, like, uh, you know, some sort of arcane arithmetic based on what your current level is at level up. Uh, so, like, the game creates this weird thing where if you understand the system, there's a perverse incentive to, uh, once you're late in the game, do a bunch of leveling as either a Viking or a Black Belt. I just remember is... changing to a Viking for the first time and realizing that I had no equipment for it. Yeah, because they only use, like, fucking hammers. It's weird. Axis, I think. Um, um, and then not having enough capacity to change the character back. While. Oh yeah, capacity is just gone in the Pixel Remaster, which is another. Oh, good, good. good. That was a yeah, that was a headache. Yeah, like it's just gone. Uh, in, in because I think they rightly determined that the disadvantage of changing jobs is that you probably are changing to a job you don't have as many job levels in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like your character is already going to be ineffective. Or at least less effective. You don't need to add additional point, like pain to the notion of changing jobs. So, yeah, the Pixel Remaster just eliminated capacity entirely, which I think was, like I said, a wise move. It, it just... Capacity adds nothing to FF3. Uh, 
but yeah. Uh, in, in general, it smooths over a lot of the little things while mostly keeping the notional balance of the Famicom version. And mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of nice little quality of life things. Uh, you're allowed to uh, set the amount of experience and gill earned from a fight from anywhere from zero to four times, uh, which can be nice if you're just like, I just want to grind to hit X uh, like thing, and I don't want to waste as much time as that will take. So. A lot of nice little uh, niceties. If you if you want to play FF3, that is the version to play. Uh, but yeah, so finished that. Had a good time. Uh, it fully embraces what had already become a tradition of Final Fantasy by introducing some wild uh, plot changing element literally 10 minutes from the ending uh, by in the last last dungeon just suddenly being like hey warriors of darkness I mean it's a cooler twist than some Final Fantasy so oh no it's a super cool it twist actually, it's just that it, it doesn't have any sense from the context previous so mm. yeah it's just one of those things where it's like the, the problem isn't that it's not a cool twist the problem is it makes you wish that they had done more with it <laughs> That's fair. But, That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And allegedly, like, I think FF14 does, like, a has, like, an entire expansion about Warriors of Darkness or some shit. But I don't care. Because um, <laughs> it's still an MMO and I still can't play it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I really love the uh, boss theme and the Cloud of Darkness theme, because both of them are absolutely frenzied sounding. Uh, like, they're both played at such a wild tempo, and they both sound like you're just getting into a complete panic. And that, that feels uh, that feels good, it feels fitting. Uh, and that's that's the other thing that brought FF14 to mind, was people, when I, when I finished it, people were immediately like, you should listen to, you said you like the music, you should listen to these FF14 remixes, and it's like, these are very pretty, they also completely missed the point of what I actually like about this music, because they're very, they're much slower and more like, this is an epic confrontation, yeah. it's like, no, I want this to be a fast confrontation, I want to feel like I am at the death's door at all times. But yeah. So finish that, and I I wrote up a big master document of like what I was terming as like Final Fantasy and friends of things that I was thinking I should play these and like make sure that I go down this checklist over the next few years. And I don't remember if I put that in the Discord where either of you could see it. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to just read some of these out. I'm, I'm going to read this out, and you're going to have to like tell me at what point you tap out from how stupid some of the ch selections have gotten. Okay. So, so this post like stuff you're going to play. Yeah, these are things I intend to play. Oh god. Okay. Okay. So post like the 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 notional theory behind this is games that are Final Fantasy or games that are sufficiently creatively adjacent to Final Fantasy. So we've got one through three. Those are all done. 
Seiken Densetsu Final Fantasy Gaiden. That's what I am currently on. That's the other thing I've been playing this week. Seiken Densetsu? I mean, the Final Fantasy Adventure? Yeah. Or... I pulled that because it is the first game that nom- that was marketed as a Final Fantasy spinoff. Yeah. Uh, so, Fantasy- I'm guessing the original Game Boy version? or Yeah, original Game Boy. Okay. Uh, four and five, Mystic Quest six, uh, Chrono Trigger, Bahamut Lagoon, mm-hmm. Super Mario RPG mm-hmm. Legend of the Seven Stars, Yay. Uh, seven Tactics, Xenogears, Parasite Eve, FF eight, FF nine, The Bouncer, FF ten, <laughs> FF ten two, Dirge of Cerberus, Final Fantasy seven, FF twelve, uh, Crisis Core, FF seven, Lost Odyssey. FF13, Last Story, 13-2, Lightning Returns, 15, 16, and Stranger of Paradise. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? Well, what I, I've played a significant portion of this list, but not definitely not all of them. I've played a significant portion of this too, but I intend to play them anew. <laughs> so. I mean, the good news is Mystic Quest will only take you like a day and a half. Oh yeah, I love Mystic Quest. I think that game's great. I mean, uh, my little brother in first gr- or second grade beat it in a day and a half. Yeah, so. it was it was my first Final Fantasy. It has <laughs> the one of the most banging soundtracks in the entire series, uh, and honestly, probably a stronger claim to being an RPG than ever. Sixteen. Um, wow. Prove me wrong. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the, the wildest swings on there are obviously Parasite Even the Bouncer, <laughs> but I think that they're fairly justifiable. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I think you should play Stranger Paradise sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. The, these don't have to be in order, okay, although good. a lot of them okay, will good. be. Uh, I need to pick up Stranger Paradise is the problem. I do not own it. Uh, but, yeah. Stranger Paradise... Uh, fully, fully intend to play that sooner than later, and hopefully the DLC as well because uh, that actually seems like it's quite good. So, finally, the Final Fantasy story of an angry man. But uh, you've cursed my Diablo playtime, by the way. How so? I, I I don't know. I just went to start it up and it said you need to update your drivers. Hell yeah! So now I've Get been fine. now I've been jiggering the Steam Deck, and it's yeah, I'm update al- there too. But yeah, I'm also using this as an excuse to play some some of the things that I've been putting off for years that I need to get around to. Uh, Bahamut Lagoon. I just noticed that Live Alive should probably be on here because its director was a key fi- uh, mm-hmm. was a yeah. key figure in some of the earlier and later Final Fantasies. So I will pop Live Alive on there. Uh, here the whole Bahamut list. Lagoon, did you have? One. Did you have the first few Saga games on there? I did not because I considered them to be a separate project. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah, the, they only had Final Fantasy in the name for the. English release. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the other he's thing. He's got Parasite Eve on there. Parasite <laughs> Eve true, allegedly true. grew out of a pitch for FF7. Uh-huh. Which is why it got on there. Okay. Same with Xenogears. Okay. Uh, you can still make the argument that the entire Saga franchise is an outgrowth of Final Fantasy 2. 
Yeah, but yeah. also, if I was going to do that, I would be playing all the Saga games. And when a friend asked me about that, I said, that deserves its own project. <laughs> yes, it does. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, so those those are not uh, absent out of distaste. They are absent out of, they deserve pride of place. <laughs> if you do that one, then be sure to include um, what was uh, The Last Remnant and Legend of Mana in that oh, of course. project. Those are two definitely Saga-adjacent mm-hmm. games. Yeah, so, so they are they are cousins to the franchise, as far as I'm concerned. Does that mean, um, what about Alliance Live? And Legend of Legacy Legend and Alliance Legacy. Live, yes. Yeah, those yeah, belong on that list as well. Okay, good. So I, I'd argue that Legend of Mana is basically Saga crossed with Mana. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it even has, it has one of the most random enemies from Saga Frontier in there as a religious figure. Head. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's that's a project for another day, but fully intended, especially now that there are uh, means to play English versions of Saga Two and Three DS. Uh, and by yeah. the time I get around to it, hopefully we'll get a uh, Saga Frontier re- Two remastered. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Um, but if not, I could. If you need, I can always walk you through. Yeah. Doing some things to your 3DS to make it easier to play the Saga 2. That's true, that's true. Also, to add to your um, your hypothetical Saga list, Treasure Hunter mm-hmm. G. Yeah, yeah, that's that's got Kawazu DNA. Just because blue and red are blue and red. <laughs> yep, just prototype there. <laughs> it's also incredible. Yeah. It also used to be incredibly difficult to emulate, and I have no idea how you'd play it now. Yeah. That sounds like a challenge. Sounds like a fun challenge. Um, I mean, I haven't done anything with emulation in like 20 years, so Uh, I just remember back then it was was one of the last Super Famicom games to actually be emulated because of how wonky some of its internal chipsets were. Yeah, I'd suspect something like Hegan or Beastness. I forget what its current name is at this point, but the thing that... I I don't doubt it's been solved long since, but it's just, it's is at the very yeah. upper end of what a Super Famicom was technically capable of producing. Yeah, Beastness was infamous because it was essentially like designed for the purpose of being able to play Tengai Machio Zero, which is one of the other games that's just like a huge giant pain in the ass for all sorts of weird custom chip bullshit. <laughs> Probably that in Star Ocean as well. The, first, yeah. the original Star Ocean Famicom game was very difficult to emulate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's a that's a project that I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to just be going at that all at once. But it's one of those like over the next few years, I intend to storm through Final Fantasy and Friends. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be that'll be fun. Like I said, I've been playing uh, FF Adventure and. Uh, oh, Fireminer brings up a Vagrant Story. That's potentially... One of the things I'll say about Vagrant Story is that uh, while it's in Ivalice, it's probably worth like taking that with like... It's sort of in air quotes in Ivalice, because like I think other games reference it, but I believe Matsuno was fairly uh, clear at the time uh, that he said it in Ivalice because that was just kind of the name for, like, that was just the name for worlds that he was making at Square, and not as an explicit, like, this takes place in the same world as FF Tactics. 
And that that, mm-hmm. that moment, that no- notion of all of these are in the same world didn't really come in until like Tactics Advance and 12. Yeah. I mean, but, even then, Tactics, uh, Tactics Advance had some of the same races, but Tactics Advance 2 was very specifically in the same world as 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tactics Advance actually has a character that sh- later shows up in 12, but it's like one of those situations. It's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> I mean, 12 is one of the few that I have never actually really touched, even. Mm-hmm. So, um, I never got that reference in Advance. I did understand from Advance 2, because Advance 2 is very very specifically using... Yeah, so in, in 12, early on, when you like first meet the... There, there's, like... You, you remember Mont Blanc from Advance, of course. Yeah, Mont Blanc. Yeah, Mont Blanc is the guild master in 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they they pretty explicitly like technically Tactics Advance came out first, but obviously like Mont Blanc is in both of them to tie them together because twelve was supposed to be out in two thousand three. <laughs> what year did twelve come out? Uh, two thousand six. Ah, okay. Yeah, very very late. Um, I was actually I had cause to look up. Uh, earlier this week, because I was like trying to remember why did I rem- why did I know Matsuno was directing FF12 years before we ever actually saw it, and it turned out that that information had like allegedly FF12 started pre-production in December of 2000, and I have no reason to disbelieve that because the official U.S. PlayStation magazine. <laughs> actually had a little sidebar like because they did a cover story on the movie final fantasy the spirits within because oh, it's a big final fantasy movie of course you cover that uh but among the other things they showed was like here's the future of final fantasy and it was like uh talking about like after 10 they've announced 11 and that's going to be an mmo and then the other thing was Yasumi Matsuno, the director of Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story, is set to direct Final Fantasy XII. It's like, oh, when was this? August 2001. So that was public information even that early. <laughs> but, I have to yeah. respond to Smoking Joe Gamer in the stream chat. It's always amazing what you can do with public information. Smoking Joe Gamer says, Diablo 4 and Steam Deck, why, wheels, why? Because you joined late and you didn't hear the part where I went to start it on my computer and it yelled at me to update my NVIDIA drivers. So now I am starting it up on Steam Deck where I hadn't updated it yet because my Steam Deck was suspended in the middle of a play session of Legend of Heroes 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fireminer asking for clarification on this pro- project says, will you tackle FF and Friends before or after finishing with Trails? Concurrent trails is definitely higher on the priorities list as soon as like I am back in that mood, but it is one of those situations where it's very easy to burn out on games if you're mm-hmm. playing them back to back to back. So mm-hmm. I will uh, take a short break, and I need to acquire uh, Cold Steel three and four anyway. So uh, short break from trails, but we'll be back, uh, especially because. Uh, although this one I'll probably play out of order, but Nayuta no Kiseki comes out in September. Also known as Legend of Nayuta Boundless Trails. But, so, yeah, Farmer so. asks, does anyone get nostalgic for uh, Can't tell what that's censoring. removed when looking at Wheels' screen? Um... 
cannot nostalgic tell. Nostalgic <laughs> for Linux? Nostalgic for... I don't know. What did, what did it censor? I, I can't tell what it censored. Can I uncensor this? What the fuck? No, no, you cannot. It's just three stars. <laughs> Whatever, moving on. just, like, say, get nostalgic for shit? I mean, potentially. Hard to say. Uh, I, need to yeah. I need to know, Fireminer. I need to know. So I'm just going to continue talking about Final Fantasy Adventure for a couple of minutes. I need to know. Uh, so that game feels like it was scientifically designed to fuck over a child who didn't understand how to play it and for- put them in a situation where they could not finish it. Final Fantasy Adventure? Mm-hmm. Yes. What? Well, situation are you talking about? Uh... There are definitely situations where you can get your... Because of the way that uh, key respawning works and door respawning works, you can absolutely put yourself in situations where you can softlock your entire file. Um, That's why you find skeletons in literally every single dungeon. That's not enough for some of these areas. Mm-hmm. The skeletons do drop keys, but they're because doors will lock when you save and you save in a specific room, mm. you can absolutely fuck yourself that way. Interesting. I... It's uh it's it's full of it, like the skeletons definitely feel like them realizing this was going to be a problem and mm-hmm. uh trying to fix it. It's just that they, they couldn't patch everything. There are definitely places where you can be fucked. That's- Honestly, they should have introduced the master a master key as a treasure item that just let you be, use infinite keys. Mm-hmm. There's there's all sorts of like it, it's one of those things. It's like yeah, it's kind of obvious they hadn't made this kind of game before. Uh, I have so many but, questions. Also, I as wish to what's going I wish on they had used the. Uh, right I wish they had used the magic spells more as problem solving tools. Because it would give you more of a reason to be using the magic spell items before you actually get some of the spells. Yeah. I mean, you do use it a little bit with the ice spell. Mm-hmm. Occasionally. But um, everything else, no. Yeah. It's also one of the weird, like most weirdly buggy looking uh, games I've seen on Game Boy from basically anyone. Like, there's some... I, I walked into the first town, and one of the character, like one of the NPCs, just sort of glitched into the middle of a building. It was really weird looking. <laughs> but oh yeah, I mean monsters will just randomly spawn in places where they can't move. Yeah, they can also. Oh, that's that's another truly. That's why so many of them thing. jump around occasionally? Yeah, some of them uh, have also. Uh, died right next to the exit that I was going to, and dropped a treasure chest. And I could not walk around that treasure chest. <laughs> so I had to re-exit and re-enter the room. Uh, because even if you collect the item in a treasure chest, the treasure chest stays there as an empty treasure chest. Yes, and sometimes it's necessary for to use it with solving it. Uh, yeah, there, there, there are puzzles that are just like, push the empty treasure chest onto the pressure plate. Of course, in the last dungeon, there was the turn one of the, turn at least one of the monsters in this room into a snowman and push him onto the correct plate. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. Uh, the uh, thing is, thing is, the room is ringed with plates. 
fun. If you're walking over them, you'll notice a slight hitch when you walk over the correct one. Yeah, and then you just gotta push someone onto the uh, push the snowman onto the correct one. But yeah, it's it's a weird game. I get the sense that Final Fantasy was relatively a late addition to it, uh, just by virtue of knowing that Seiken Densetsu was just a title that Square had trademarked lying around that they wanted to use, and that. Uh, most of the Final Fantasy elements are relatively, uh, like, a, a sprite swap would remove them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there, the there's some... That are very obviously Final Fantasy in there are the Chocobo, the Moogle status, and um, the names of some of the enemies, because you've got, like, mm. the four fiends of the elements as bosses. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm given to understand that internally... Uh, it's working titles like Geminites, which is something much more related to the story. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it's also just one of those games where, like, if it weren't for how weird and abstract eight-bit games are, it'd be just like this game's kind of miserable, like very depressed. <laughs> but yeah, I had a, having a good time. Uh, you beat up a vampire named after Christopher Lee fairly early on, so that's fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mr. Lee. Yep, Mr. Lee. Uh, I th I'm pretty sure that's entirely with, because of the translation. Oh, yeah, I assumed that that was a translation joke. Because um, I'm pretty sure that in Japanese, it's ju just simply the master of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it's emulated wonderfully on the uh, collection of mana that I had lying around, so that was fairly easy to get a hold of. Uh, my true uh, my true commitment to idiocy will actually be once I finish Adventure and move on to FF4, because I will not be moving on to one version of FF4. <laughs> Which versions of FF4 I, are we talking about? I will be about? playing the PSP and DS versions. We. Oui. The uh, DS version I have never played. Allegedly, it has the most accurate translation that the game ever got in English. Yeah, but uh, it also loses a few of the funnier bits. It's um, true, it's true. Yeah, there's a trade-off there, but also, as if I recall right, the DS version also had a rebalanced damage formula for magic that... Oh, there's a million things. Like, that game is just completely redone. Like, they, yeah. they introduced, like, a character building, or at least a way to fuck with how characters function uh, <laughs> with the augment system, where characters who leave your party... Uh, you new ones, but you yeah. have to use some of those augments. You do not save yeah. those things up. It, 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 well, it, it, and it very specifically fucks over people who are like, oh, I know this character's leaving, so I won't give them augment, give them the strong augment. And it's like, okay, don't give them the strong augment, but definitely give Yang, give like Yang or whoever cry so that they'll give you something better in return. All <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you end up, uh, with this weird, it's, it's the kind of remake that's absolutely designed to completely fuck over people who are, you metagaming via their foreknowledge of the original, which I'll say is the, a uh, choice. <laughs> the battle in the underworld, um, Underdark with um, Golbez, the one that, where Radio returns, yeah. that battle is a whole lot tougher than I remembered it from the original game. <laughs> Again, yeah, because I... they, they rejiggered the, um, 
the damage formula for spells, and so suddenly he's doing a lot more damage than he used to do. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I intend to play it because I've I've just simply never played that version, so it would be it'll add some flavor, and of course I'll be playing alongside the PSP version, which is pretty much just the mo an extremely uh, faithful, polished version with slightly different sprites. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they will play well in contrast with each other. Also, hi, Joe. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, although you sound not as good as you normally do. <laughs> I do not. I'm using uh, Bluetooth earbuds instead, yeah. Mm, gotcha. What? Okay, we'll talk to this kid. Um, I'm this kid to read a book. What a monster. Read a book. I'm kidding. Of all, oh. the <laughs> of all the things you've done. I can't, I can't, I, just let me use my controller as a controller. Never. Yeah. Uh, well, I wasn't going to come on to voice, but then I changed my mind and all I had. Here we are. All I had handy was, was my handy dandy Bluetooth earbuds. Yeah. Uh, did anyone catch your Lunar Silver Star story complete stream? Sadly, I was busy. Yeah, it's okay. I, that was uh, last night. A, yeah, yeah, I had a brief. I, I had a birthday dinner with some friends, so I was. That, that sounds fun. It was. It was quite nice. They were all very kind. Yeah. It was one of those situations where it's. It, it's. It was one of those situations where it's like, oh, it's a little far, but it's also when. They, when everyone is uh, in town and has time, so it's a yes. nice time. Yeah, actually, my sister was in town from Spain, and oh, she nice. and she went back a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. So, so she was here. Um, yeah, she stopped in Monday night to just visit for a bit, and then she had to go up to Boston on Tuesday to get the flight to Europe from there. So. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of busy too. I almost didn't stream a couple nights because it's like I did have stuff going on. But mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been playing. I think I'm like a third of the way through FF Adventure. I'll probably have that done by the next time that we podcast. Uh, See, we want to hit some of these questions before regret overtakes us. Uh, see, we've talked about games that troll the player by for making a moral choice, but what about something less, something a bit anticlimactic and depressing, but only if you think about it, like encouraging a young lad to embrace his family le- legacy and play, face its challenges, only to find out that you make the kid return to the suburb and take up his father's car dealership. That's... Quite uh, quite an example. There are definitely uh, situations I've seen in games where, like, there is an something that sounds on the surface like a reasonable choice to make to make in, say, a side quest, and then actually doing it. It's like, oh no, you actually just fucked them over. <laughs> yep. Metal Max had a couple of ones like this, including an infamous one where. Um, you don't ask any questions and just deliver the item like you're supposed to, it turns out that you're a party to human trafficking and the young girl gets murdered. Jesus. What? 
Yeah, this is Metal Max 2. Um, yeah. Cheery. Somebody asks you to deliver a box and you drag it behind you, you open the darn box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least get an idea of what's in there. Yeah. Like, best case scenario, you're a drug mule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, in fact, the better case scenario for the series, but. Um, yeah. No, I mean, literally, yeah, if you deliver the bu- the package and don't ask what it is and don't check, then later on you visit this port town and you find the girl's body. Jesus. Um, yeah. That's dark. Yeah. Metal, Metal Max is the land of contrasts. It is definitely something. Let's see, I'm trying to... I definitely know this kind... Like, I can think of a few different... Uh, RPGs like this uh, that have had fucking side quests where uh, sometimes they'll even need a little bit of metagaming in order to get like outcomes that aren't miserable. <laughs> but um, okay, different one I remember. Sword of Mana. Oh uh, yeah. Speaking of fake and done stuff, so. yeah. There is a there is a uh, series of side quests involving this one guy who wants different types of armor. So mm-hmm. you just get it for him um, in one town after another. And the last time you meet him, he has gotten all the armor pieces he needed to join Dark Lord's guard. <laughs> and um, so you find him in one corner of the castle up there on top of the cliff, and he is seriously regretting his life choices up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... This is this doesn't really count, but I think uh, is uh, is an interesting one of like kind of punishing you for being uh, for trying to hundred percent it. But uh, illusion of Gaia's like red gem side quest, <laughs> where Pure like gem. fuck that quest. Yeah. There's like one or two of those I can never find. Fuck that quest. I got. I mean, also, like when you you. actually do it, the boss you unlock is basically like, "Good job increasing the amount of misery in the world." Yeah. It's also like the original first boss from Soul Blazer saying, "Yeah, I've been wanting to get back at humanity all this time. Now I'm doing it." Yeah. Thanks for giving me the power. (laughs) Good job. Looks like Wheels has given up on his fight with. Uh, no, no. <laughs> give up. I'm not, I'm not give up. Give up. Leave me alone. Play something else. Oh wait, no. I could do. I could get you out of this. I could spend the points and tell you to play something else. Well, I'm not actually playing anything right now. Oh, okay. That's that's quite the technicality, you motherfucker. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, that that's the that's the first one that immediately comes to mind to me. It's like, huh. Uh, is I gonna say something about it? Uh, let's see. And I'll, I can always, of course, think of situations where uh, a game is trolling you, if not narratively, then mechanically. Uh, I mean, you could look at basically any given uh, set piece 
in a Souls game that's likely to kill you the first time through. That's the developers having a laugh at you. <laughs> uh, but let's see. Another question. Uh, showing the playable characters in a Persona game after they become adults a dumb thing to do, aka Persona Arena, because in a Persona game, you'd have that uh, quote-unquote realistic introspection and doing so means showing the adults slamming into roadblocks or even regressing from where they were as teenagers while lacking the youthful optimism uh, to reel back in the depression. These games are never meant to provide the full answer, but the audience can only tolerate so many questions. I think it's one of those things that, like, spinoffs are just going to do that. Um, mm -hmm. They can do it to varying degrees of bad. Like, none of nothing that's in Arena is as bad as Persona Trinity Soul. But, mm -hmm. uh, in general, I think it's mostly... Uh, the the issue is more that it's thematically hollow, um, because uh, Persona is about like the infinite possibilities inherent to people, especially young people who haven't yet set their course in life, and like. There is a uh, there. There are stories to be told about understanding that you no longer have infinite possibilities laid before you. That your life has uh, made a choice, but it's also one of those things that's like it's definitely not going story. to appeal to the audience that Persona is trying to appeal to either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking of the the second Bubblegum Crisis series. Bubblegum Crash or Crisis Twenty Forty. I have no idea. It's just the one that was set like decades after the first one, and one of the major characters has just died, and everyone else is coming together, and they're realizing exactly how crap everything's turned out. Um, Oof. Something like that. Yeah, Fireminer's saying that that's Bubblegum Crash. Okay. Thanks, Fireminer. Oh. And Tam is confusing me not being able to pick something to play with the game I chose to play not cooperating chaos uh, chaos is there any game about chaos. men dis escape embracing a destructive path because of uh, midlife crisis buddy have I got the game for you and it's called Hakayo King of Crusher <laughs> which is a weird ass PS1 shit post of a video game that is about a man turning into a giant kaiju in the face of the birth of his child that uh -huh. I can really only describe as essentially if you uh, reading attempting to read the metaphors it is a uh, it is a game about someone having essentially a midlife crisis about the loss of their freedom over time. Uh, and uh, essentially like literalizing that by someone attempting to reassert their freedom by acting in a destructive, uh, a destructive manner to everyone around them. Uh, and it's a, 
it's not a good game, but it is a very interesting game if you enjoy weird PS1 shitposts. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is weird PS1 game, Hakaio King of Crusher. Only came out in Japan for reasons that should surprise just absolutely zero human beings. But uh, interesting in its way, interesting in its way. The, last, the, the very last action in the game determines your ending because you end up fighting a literal giant baby, just literalizing the metaphors all over the place. And uh, you get the ending, the, you know, an ending that, you know, sets the end of the metaphor as your character sort of accepting that, uh, you know, they're, them having absolute freedom in their life would involve infringing on the freedoms of everyone else around them and, you know, accepting that they have duties to other people that supersede those things and therefore, uh, you know, you let yourself get killed by the giant baby and get an ending where you accept fatherhood as a normal ass human being. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, Hakayo King of Crusher is a real weird game, but I mean, I think it's, I, I, I would call it art. <laughs> I would call it art. Uh, I'm thinking of the elusive man from Mass Effect. He's got some midlife crisis yeah. going on him. <laughs> First, well, first he's like, "Oh, I, I love humans. I want to protect humans." But then, doesn't he try to like kill everybody in the third game or something? Yeah, but he's also like weird and brainwashed and shit. Okay, Joe. Joe. What? What Radeon card did you give me? The fifty-five hundred XT. Thank you. You're just working out why something's not working the way you expected. Now I need to find updated drivers. Uh, give me your Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise. Um, let's see. When's your birthday again? 29th. PS5, uh, Xbox, or Steam? Preferably Steam, but don't worry about it. I was joking. <laughs> what is the Lamborghini Countach of video games in that it's stylistic that it, it's so stylistic that it can be an art piece, but play it and you will suffer. Again, Hakayo King Crusher. <laughs> it's not that stylistic, but uh, the, the you know the the very much uh, is gonna. I mean, it, like part of the, this is a hard question for me to answer, not because I can't think of things that some people would do, but uh, it would categorize this way, but because like for me to consider something stylish and artistic, it needs to have thematic depth, and that will cause me to overlook just unending amounts of like bullshit and gameplay uh and conversely that like if i don't think the themes work uh then you know i i wouldn't count it as like super stylish so like i could definitely see some people making an argument for say drakengard but like i personally don't resonate with a lot of the themes in it so it doesn't really work the metaphor doesn't really work for me uh <laughs> And Joe just says every Suda51 game, fuck you. Wow. <laughs> I'll fight you. <laughs> uh, Flower, Sun, and Rain is art. Michigan Report from Hell is art. Killer7 is art. Uh, Contact? 
Con uh, Contact is actually not very. It's not a Suda Fifty One game. It is a Grasshopper manufacturer game, but he did not. Uh, he was not party to oh, it. Okay. I just remember he was like something was connected to him that way. Okay. Fireminer says, also, isn't the ending of Hikayo involve aliens turning your baby into kaiju? How the hell is it a moral uh, message? It's a moral message because when you finish it, all of that goes away because it's all metaphor. <laughs> your, uh, your, I, I would interpret it as your character's like fear of the restrictive nature of fatherhood, causing like the the baby to read in his mind as a monster. Much in the same way that I would honestly say that it's very fair to read basically none of what's happening in the game is literal. I mean, you could also argue that the fucking... Uh, you could argue that him turning into a kaiju is uh, extremely real, but that doesn't really change the underlying theme. It's not <laughs> a perfect game, but it's definitely making a choice. I'm just reading about it now on Hardcore Gaming 101, and this is just... Yeah, close. they make a pretty similar argument. It's a, it's a very wild game. It doesn't play too good. Uh, it feels real weird, but it's yeah, very interesting. And it's the kind of game you would only ever get from a developer who uh, is not... Uh, who, like, the budget is low enough that it doesn't matter what insanity they make. <laughs> Yeah, fascinating little game. Love Hakayo. Uh, actually streamed it in full on iTwitch less than a year ago, but I don't think I remembered to save the VOD. But very, very unique little game. Um, let's see. Shit fairy tales and almost every story attempting to send a moral message just end where they need to uh, where they end where they need to be is tend to a mistake. I, I think the eternal debate is going to be where where does something need to end? Uh, Mark Twain was once glib while writing uh, while uh, in the end narration of. Uh, Adventures of Tom Sawyer saying that it was very easy to write a story about an, uh, an adult man because you just ended it when he got married or died. Uh, but when you're writing about a child, who, who's to say when that ends? And uh, I think that, you know, in a broader sense, the notion of when does this story end is, is always going to be, uh, it depends upon what theme you want fulfilled with it. Uh, mm -hmm. 10.2 is... Uh, to speak to Ten Two as a specific situation, though, Ten Two is a different story uh, because Ten is about the endless cycle that is what Spira is, uh, down to its goddamn name. Mm -hmm. And Ten Two is that world rudderless, it, like that world rudderless. It has no idea what it is when it do isn't in that cycle, and it's the people afterwards deciding what Spira will be. I mean, you have the opposing political parties of traditionalists and burn-it-down anarchists. You have um, the guy turning the, fi um, the final level area into a tourist attraction, all of those things. Yeah, you have the 
the echoes of the past trying to still drag you back into that same old cycle. More interestingly, echoes from a different section of the past. Yeah. The once uh, one I'm... cycle is broken, another t cycle attempts to reassert itself. Which I, th I thought that was at least... At least they weren't trying to dip back into the well too deeply and bring back sin. Yeah, Sorry. which is the, the reason that I have no interest in any idea they've floated for a third 10 game, because... I remember we discussed this once, it was like, oh, like, okay, 10-3, what's it? And it's like, oh, sin comes back, and I was like, no. No, no, you no. Have, this is, there is this no is need to see this as, cycle again. This is about as bad as I'm so sorry, uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> Somehow Palpatine returned. Somehow, yes. No, that's... I mean, if that's part of your plot, then no. Yeah. You can only get back into the well so many times. The, like, the the, 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 the Spira and Sin plot is revived, and there's lots of places to go with uh, trying to stop a new vicious cycle, but... Mm -hmm. uh, Especially since it's, it's been established that there are multiple millennia of history going on here. The mm -hmm. fire miner asks in the comments: uh, Is too real sometimes bad for sending a moral message? And of course, there's the question of objectifying tragedies, aka almost every true crime podcast. Uh, too when when you get ver when you avoid abstraction, when you just sh depict uh, suffering without metaphor or allegory, you run the risk of uh, like you, you box what your depiction can look like without coming off extremely disrespectful. Uh, and allegory can absolutely do that as well. Metaphor can absolutely do that as well, but it has more leeway because it is not directly representational. But when when you depict something dark or uh, tragic, disgusting in uh, without the veil of metaphor, your depiction can, of course, like every aspect of that depiction suddenly is going uh, comes under even greater scrutiny. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and, and the other thing is, of course, that like without the layer of, of abstraction, you run the risk of players just not being able, like paradoxically, have finding it harder to connect with something. And there's also the issue of Poe's Law. Um, that one? Hmm. Like, um, Poe's Law is um, from one of, like, either Reddit or Usernet or one of the old ones. Um, the idea that in attempting to parody an extreme position without hmm. some outward sign, like a wink or emoji or something to show that you're being sarcastic is often impossible to tell whether or not you are actually serious about this extreme position. Mm -hmm. Like, a, a successful parody of an extremist position is indistinguishable from an actual position. Without obvious outward sign given. Mm -hmm. It's mostly used as an argument towards remember your, like, backslash S for sarcasm or your winking emojis or whatever. Make sure that people realize that you're not that you actually are joking. Mm -hmm. Oh, I missed uh, one of these questions. 
Why can they make a psychological exploration through the lens of turning into a kaiju, but not about committing a school shooting? Because, I mean, there's just too much. There's too much baggage there. Wait, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like it's it's too much. It's too specific. It's too real. It brings to mind things that happen every day. Uh, Literally, yeah. Uh, just just look at the Onion's homepage every day and see how often they've had to repost that same article. But uh, yes, but yeah, it, it's one of those things. Like the the other thing, and you and this is probably what you're getting at is the like the visceral rawness of the. Uh, imagery that you're like we were kind of getting at that with like the more real the more grounded the atrocity that you're depicting the more uh angles that you need to consider what your depiction is actually showing and saying mm -hmm. uh, and with something like that specific and visceral i'm not convinced the the human the human teams of humans can actually uh hit that like view that from enough levels to make that respectful and then of course there's the question of like what do you get from directly depicting such a thing that you don't get from metaphor that blunts the immediate like reaction of like this uh, exact thing has happened like you you need to make very strong considerations about why you need to bring this imagery up like what what does your story get from having imagery this charged in it uh what that it does not get from imagery that evokes themes and concepts and ideas but that is not as inherently charged and i think when you bring up something like columbine you you're thinking of something that uh like you, you bring up uh the some like very edgy art pieces like Super Columbine RPG that uh, it's one of those things it's, it's very much pushing the envelope on what can be done I do think that there's also a distinction of uh, you get further rules slapped on you by being commercial art uh, mm -hmm. Super Columbine RPG, that sort of thing. That was never sold. You did not buy that. Uh, and that... There actually was a Super Columbine RPG. Yeah, it was done yeah. in the mid-aughts. Yep. It was, yeah, it was very much uh, it was very much in, intended to be commentary. Uh, but I, I do think that the, the nature of commercial art would also uh, inherently... Like, it's the same reason that uh, for a decade and a half, there has been a lot of hay made about, say, Six Days in Fallujah, a uh, game uh, about uh, American soldiers in the Iraq War. It is one of those situations where the second that you make that commercial, the second you pay, you expect people to pay money for that, you have introduced an element of exploiting actual human tragedy because money changed hands in order for you to depict that and that means something very different than if you're doing it for free and i'm still not super like i'm not comfortable commenting on 
Super Columbine RPG for a number of reasons. I have never played it. I don't want that in my life. I don't need that in my life. No. Uh, I don't know enough about it in that sense to say, yes, this should be depicted or no, this shouldn't be depicted. But it's one of those situations where that's, of course, one of the many issues you run into is that just like, <laughs> you give a lot of people a lot of reasons to say, I don't need this. I, I do not need it. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of a few things. Like, I was thinking of um, Postal and how that was like, that wasn't a specific event that it was depicting. It was just, in general, it's a mailman who goes insane and shoots people. And, and that was a terrible game. But at least in that case, it wasn't referencing a specific tragedy. It was referencing a phenomenon rather than a specific tragedy. Right. And then I'm also thinking of American Horror Story Season 1, where it depicts a school shooting, but again, it's not a specific school or event that it's depicting and it gives us more insight into the character and how he how he died how he became a ghost and and all that and it, it's mm -hmm. so that was a little different yeah um, I, if were, were i the one like for for some reason trapped in some faustian bargain where it was necessary uh to to make this sort of thing I would definitely never be like one. I'd never be charging for it, obviously. But the other thing is that uh, I have no desire to uh, to plumb the mind or uh, for sympathy for the 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 person bringing harm because I feel like the answer is it, forever. It doesn't matter. It's unjustifiable. Yeah. Uh, also, Fireminer says, so what's the message of Postal 2 to 4 then? I don't know that any of them per se has a message. They are almost anti-message. Uh, yeah. Or at least none of them has a coherent message. Uh, the developers will occasionally go on record and say, well, you have the option of just not killing anyone and just going through your week. And it's like, yeah, you didn't make that game for that. No. Uh, it's, it's a game about, uh, man, I don't know. I am not. I am not here to uh, no. truly plumb the minds involved here. <laughs> I'll be back, crank it. Yeah. And do you remember that game? There was that game on Steam called Hatred, and yeah, I do remember that bullshit. I I didn't play it. I had no interest in it. And to me, that was horrible because that was just pure shock value. You know what I mean? Yeah, that I wasn't meant to be a piece of art in any any way shape or in form. any useful sense no like if we, if we consider art to be something that evokes emotion it technically succeeded at that but like then you know you get into the question of like okay you can call yourself art art isn't a good isn't an inherently good descriptor you made worthless art um yeah but yeah like yeah you run into a lot of these things it's like there's there's no need to, or I wouldn't even say there's no need, but there's no capacity to where, like, someone attacking a number of innocent people is going to, like, be a, a worthwhile mind to try to give the sympathetic lens to. No. Let's see. Developer of Hatred have neo-Nazis in their team. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh... 
But yeah, uh, since this topic has very quickly gotten very depressing, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> gonna gonna move on to one of these other questions. Did we uh, do the third one on this list? Uh, which one's that? Yeah. Oddly enough, it's the one. Do ironic homophobia and racism ever work as comedy? I think we skipped past that one. I didn't remember doing that last week, and I I was thinking, okay, our can think of four separate examples, and the only answer, real answer to this is they work as com comedy if you are making them the absolute butt of the joke. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. things. Like I, I personally don't feel that my input on this question is valuable because I'm a straight white guy, <laughs> and so it's like. <laughs> Uh, like yeah. I can, I can see someone who's like, "Oh, the joke is that they're homophobic," and it's like, or, or the joke no, is I'm that they're racist. I'm, I'm thinking straight up like Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. it, the it's entire just... point of, I mean, the entire point of the movie is that only the absolute dumbest characters in the movie use racial slurs. Yeah, no, and I get, I get that. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it does not feel like my position to say I think that these work because of X, Y, and Z, and it's like. I, I am the least damaged by if they get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's more so of a, this is not something that should be attempted most of the time because it is not a good idea and it is very difficult to pull off. And we only remember the times where it worked well. Yeah. Like if you're like the, the, the rule of thumb, do you think you're as good as Mel Brooks? If not, maybe don't try it. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're probably not. Or even uh, as good as South Park, and like, oh no, no. Let's see, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's one of those things. Like, you're you're playing with fire at all times. You're playing with fire, and like the the eternal uh, the the thing that keeps coming up in these questions tonight is, you really have to think. From the the more dangerous your subject matter, the more angles you need to be examining it from, and getting other people to examine it from, and just making sure that you have as many people looking at it and saying, yes, this, I think, communicates what it intends to to the people you intend to communicate it to. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Um, oh, can I go back to um previous topic when mm -hmm. you, you talked about Mark Twain, you talked about Tom Sawyer and you know, when stories or how stories should end. So I've talked about it before, but I finally finished reading Infinite Jest by David Foster Walls. And yeah, it's 1,079 pages long. And mm -hmm. I think the title is a joke because there's no plot resolution at the end of it. <laughs> that's, you know? a, that's a very Wallace choice. <laughs> yeah, that's just a, you know, a long-ass book that does not resolve the plot at the end. Narrative like, against oh. narrative. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so mm. I still think it's a good book. It's an important book. And, you know, he was a great mind. He was a great writer. And there's times where, yeah, he absolutely just flexes his vocabulary muscles just for its own sake. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but I get to the end of this. <laughs> yeah. I get to the end of this book and I'm like, all right, like that ended abruptly. And I have an idea of what may happen some of these characters that you know you can try to predict you know one guy might Where be dead one go. guy might be miserable you know that yeah and just but i'm like oh well okay 
you know, I, I wanted to finish that before starting anything else. And I bought that book like 15 years ago and tried to read it three times and finally got through it. But now I'm like, okay, I think I want to go read something else now. Yeah. <laughs> Fireminer is now ribbing you. Are you going to do the same thing every other Infinite Jest reader says by saying <laughs> to everyone all the time that you finished Infinite Jest? <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. You put on a monocle before you do it. Um, but, yeah. It, it's. I, I do think that there is... Uh, space for what I would describe as aggressive anticlimax. climax uh, Yeah. Just this notion of, like, sometimes a story very deliberate... Like, I, I think, obviously, there's a big difference between a story failing to resolve and a story choosing not to resolve. Did you yes. ever read The Lady and the Tiger? Speaking no. of stories choosing not to resolve... <laughs> yeah. Specifically, the story ends on the question of whether the character chooses to let her, um, so her boyfriend, sure, why not? Her boyfriend live or die, mm -hmm. basically. In this mm -hmm. um, Conan-esque sort of setting. Mm -hmm. um, but it, the story literally ends on the question, well, which would you have chosen, the lady or the tiger? Yeah, the uh, and it completely fails to mention which of these the character actually chose. Yep, just leave oh. it to your interpretation. And apparently, this story caused quite an uproar with the readership of that magazine because <laughs> <laughs> they were very upset that the writer did not actually tell them what how it ended. You got to make your choices. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the story tells you you must make a choice about what happened. <laughs> But this was a very controversial thing at the time. Oh, naturally, naturally. It's still controversial. You do this to people nowadays yeah. and they get pissed. <laughs> yeah. This was controversial enough to be mentioned in the in the context box of a fifth grade literature um, class note, um, textbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Frank it's, uh... mm hmm yeah, I think that it's uh, it's useful to just you know, as as with anything where you're abandoning traditional narrative structure, you better you better damn well know what you're doing with it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at the same time, you know, and and of course, I, I say that as someone who is also uh, on some level a fan of outsider art, which often ends up involving. Uh, people uh, blithely abandoning narrative structure due to not really understanding how to construct narrative. But, you know, in, in general, uh, people, whether they realize this is why they're reacting to it or not, people react to when a narrative makes a choice rather than to when a narrative fails to address the choices it's made. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, like, I think that a key issue with a lot of things that uh, feel anticlimactic is a failure to uh, fully construct the narrative to account for a uh, the choices it's made rather than the alternative of uh, constructing the narrative to aggressively center that the choice was made not to resolve some things. Uh... 
Did anyone try Jagged Alliance 3? While I'm interested, I've never played the other Jagged Alliance games, so I've not jumped on it. Nope. Same. I don't even know what that is. I watched a pretty good video about uh, Jagged Alliance 2. Uh, There's a YouTube channel I enjoy called Warlocracy that did a pretty good video about that and a whole bunch of other weird uh, old RPGs and mods for old RPGs. It's worth checking out if you're uh, interested in uh, thematic and political analysis of weird old RPGs. Hmm. But... uh, Let's see... Uh, Hit a couple more questions. I keep getting distracted by the Stranger of Paradise happening in my ba- in the background. Um, fucking owns. Have to try Jagged Alliance. These games frustrate and amuse you like every good turn-based strategy slash management sim should be. It's really the nam- management bit, uh, sim bit that partially scares me off. But I hear you can kind of tweak the settings to determine how much management sim you want. So I should probably try them at some point. Um. What if Octodad was a horror game about the horrors of fatherhood, the suburbs, and the daily struggle in a hostile world with your body out of your control? I would honestly argue oh. that Octodad is already a game about imposter syndrome, so depending <laughs> upon how horrified yeah, you are. Yeah. 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 It's not much of a stretch there. Yeah. Octodad. Nobody, Nobody suspects a thing. Why can't it turn, why can't <laughs> turn a, a cool metaphor into something fucking real? God damn it. What? <laughs> no, who, whoever suggested to make it more real. Oh, oh, that was Fire Miner. And yeah. it's just one of those things, like, I think there's there's something to be done for that from, like, no, notionally body horror as a concept is all about, uh, like, feeling the betrayal of your own body. So there is, like, a logical way to go about that. It's just, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of body horror around. Body horror is personally not a genre for me it hit, it hits me too deep i can't enjoy it mm. uh i i've i've experienced and enjoyed certain uh weird body horror related works uh the first thing that's immediately coming to mind is weird ass japanese flick tetsuo the iron man uh, oh, oh yes that's an off-putting film but it's i <laughs> i did not i did not enjoy it in the traditional sense i would never say it was bad i think it's actually quite good i can never watch it again uh so yeah i i would not want this in part because it would hurt me so <laughs> okay now uh, now real quick without spoiling anything would you say that Disco Elysium has a satisfying conclusion? Hmm, I would say that I mean I was satisfied by it. <laughs> it okay. definitely has like a proper climax. Okay, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Yeah, yeah cuz I proper- I want to I played it for a little bit and I want to get back into it, but I'm just like I, I, I for some reason I'm like this seems like the kind of game where I would get to the end and it would have a dumb ending, but I don't no, know. It has a it has the proper climax. You will resolve the the mystery will be solved in a satisfying enough fashion, and okay. all of the things you see cooking in the background do go somewhere. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. and real quick, did you did you beat Bioshock Infinite? I did. I hated it. Yeah, that that ending. I'm like, the fuck is happening? 
Right. Okay. Bioshock Infinite is one of those like is like a prime <laughs> example of what I would consider to be something that did not consider the weight of all of the themes that it brought up. Yes. Whether it, whether it be like the way the themes of racism and revolution, or it be the themes of the concept of infinity, neither of them is well addressed. Nope. Well, you guys have more patience than I, because I thought that game sucked. I could not get to the end. It's it's an acceptably built shooter. That's about it. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, I, I'd rather play like, Bioshock One every time. Yeah. Yeah. The gameplay carries it. The story doesn't. I don't think the gameplay carries it at all. I think it's oh, okay. terrible. <laughs> I've tried to play in 1999 best. mode. Yeah, I, I would describe it as, as roundly <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I entered the Konami code and played in 1999 mode. Huzzah. What is that? <laughs> what the hell is You enter the Konami code at the title screen, yeah. and you get a harder difficulty. I don't mm. see how that makes it better. It doesn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> it does. Okay. Ryan Reiner asks, are we talking about the System Shock remake? I want to play that. I haven't gotten around to it. I didn't play the original. Really, I've heard it's not really a remake. I mean, it's basically it does... the original game. I'm given to understand that it does have a lot of quality of life improvements. Okay. Uh... And actually, some level design changes as well. So, a loyal remake, but nevertheless, seemingly something of an actual remake. Okay, that could be cool then. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to play it just because I don't think we'll ever get. I think it killed Night Dive to make that. So, <laughs> uh, and that was like. I would consider that like something worth memorializing. It's just like, yep, this is, this is the last we ever got a night dive, so let's appreciate it. What else did they make? Oh, they did the they did the Turok two remaster, right? Turok one and two remasters, uh, Power Slave remaster. They did some other retro FPS remasters where they were they were kind of like the kings of bringing back weird old FPSs uh, and. Uh, making sort of definitive versions of them. Uh, let me see what else they did. But in in the process of trying to get uh, in the process of trying to get System Shock remastered out, they ran into this issue, uh, or the System Shock remake. They they ran into funding issues and were ultimately acquired by the Earthly Remains of Atari. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's gross. Um, That's gotta hurt. Yeah, System Shock Enhanced Edition, Turok One and Two, Forsaken, Blood, Doom sixty four, Shadow Man, Quake, Power Slave, Blade Runner, uh, Rise of the Triad. Oh, Sin. the Blade Runner uh, point and click game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. They brought back West... they the original. No, they, they did, did the remaster. Okay, the original with a Westwood game. Yeah, I'm glad that yeah. remastered. It's a neat game. Yeah, it's a really weird unique game but yeah like they they went back and remastered a lot of these like sort of classic uh pc sort of games a lot of uh weird old fps's and shit especially that's a shame Uh, yeah i i hope that they survive but like i said they got bought by by atari so i don't have any real hope for them at the moment (laughs) but why couldn't they get bought by embracer group like everybody else (laughs) 
That honestly would have been the better choice, wouldn't it? It would have been. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they they did a lot of they they brought back a lot of games that probably would have never gotten that kind of love again. Especially like I feel like the the crown jewel of no one else would have ever put this kind of work into it uh, was Power Slave, which was a weird old. Uh, kind of Metroid-y structured Saturn FPS. But, yeah. Uh, Joe asks, who's playing Pikmin 4 tomorrow? This guy. Nice, I hear it's very good. I need to try the demo. Well, it. I, I used the voucher to get it, and it already downloaded, and... I decided don't play it tonight. You'll you'll end up being up all night. Do Q and A quest instead and play it tomorrow. All right. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I've, I've never really played the other games because they just looked like I don't know. But the, the the they're good. The last direct, what I saw of it, looked pretty neat. So. Yeah. Oh, and and another news: I did finally make it to the final chapter of Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Nice. And had a nice long talk with the architect before getting ready for bed and coming on here. Oh, that's a cool sequence. Yeah, so now I know the connection to the first game. It's mm -hmm. pretty thin, but it's there. It's, I'd say it's extremely not thin. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you, you, you beat the original, right? No. You didn't? So, no, okay. I, I looked it up. So, I, I looked it up, and now I understand who the architect is and all the conduit parallel world crap. But can I be honest? I'm really getting tired of all this multiverse nonsense. This isn't really and time travel shenanigans. Not at all multiverse. Okay. Not and not at all. This is the opposite. Maybe of I have multiverse. to. Maybe um, I have to keep playing then. I mean, that's not going to answer that question. You have to go back to the original. You and Wheels can discuss uh, this after the podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. Is this spoilery? Is it not spoilery? Because you get to the end, you get to the end of Xenoblade, and they explain like why the world they're in is like how it is. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyone who has not finished Xenoblade and doesn't want to be spoiled. Either plug your ears. Or I'll uh, deafen for a minute. I don't care. Or pause. Or skip ahead about a minute. Or two. I'm, I'm just going to jump right to three as soon as I finish okay, two. Yes. <laughs> so the experiment you see them doing, which I believe they show that in two, is they're running yes. an experiment to create a new universe. So right. when, you, when you play one, the assumption of all the characters in that is that the original universe was destroyed. So that's what I mean by this n not being a thin connection. Because you're seeing what okay. happened to everything else. And there's going to be more, I think there's more stuff about like how you get from a futuristic Earth to where they are now. Uh, but yeah, that's that's why it's not really a multiverse. It's not like an alternate alternate dimension. It's literally there's the universe and the universe that was created. Okay. Okay, that's it. Spoilers over. Yeah. Okay. I just completely glossed over that. 
and I mean, honestly, it's it's a spoiler, but it's not. the The games are about a lot more than that, so it's more yeah. like uh, I don't. It's not really a spoiler so much as spoiling the origin story of the world. I don't know. It's it's whatever. Anyway, it's told, JRPG. <laughs> someone tell Dave he can unmute. Oh, he muted? I think so. Well, I, I thought Shulk was the architect and I was wrong, so... <laughs> nope. <laughs> now, as for, like, spoilery stuff from 3, I have... I paw, I stopped and, and wandered off to other things, like, 30 or 40 hours in, so I have no idea how it connects to the first two games. I okay. Have, I have ideas, but I have n honestly no clue, and I really need to get back to it before that is spoiled to me. So there you go. Yeah. We're back. We good? Yes, we're good. Spoilers. Spoilers okay. have ended. Okay. Um, I've hit a couple questions within the list that I feel like we can probably do. The big list that I feel like we can probably do. Uh, before I completely conk out. Uh, are antagonists in uh, child-driven slash aimed video games always... Why do they always have to be so silly? Even mother's antagonists have their silly moments while being deeply disturbing. I think that's mostly because you don't... You're going to get a lot of very upset parents if you completely mortify their children. <laughs> Scarring children tends to do badly for sales. Simple as. Also, so if you're working for um, the Japanese industry, then mm -hmm. you have a good baseline in Biking Man from the Enpan Man series as to mm -hmm. what you kind of want for your base silly villain. Mm -hmm. You can you can trace a lot, a lot of anime villains back to this character. Mm -hmm. Some American ones too, actually. Oh, definitely. Um, do, does anyone here remember the old um, Rainbow Bright TV show? Oh, the one directed by Osamu Dezaki? <laughs> oh, there was a was a Japanese person involved there? Yeah, Osamu but, Dezaki yes, the, did uh, the animation direction on the Rainbow Bright show. Okay. Well, you know, I you know, just the remember... Villain, the villain was the guy yeah. with the bushy mustache and like, the biker helmet, the short mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. That, that guy is Biking Man, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have never actually seen um, the Anpan Man TV show translated into English, but if they had to provide English voice acting, Biking Man would sound exactly the same as that character from Rainbow Bright. <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah. I mean, this this has to be intentional. I mean, this mm -hmm. character is way, way too much similar. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely yeah, a series that was. Out that it was actually, um, by a Japanese guy. This makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, that uh, that series was definitely farmed out to a Japanese animation studio. Uh, it's it's almost tragic uh, to look at uh, to to look at some of the things that uh, that Dazaki did uh, by virtue of the fact that like I, I'm going to read off. Uh, a few of 
uh, his works, and then you will see the sharp turn that it takes. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got... What's that? Dezaki. Yeah, Dezaki. Uh, but so we've got uh, nobody's boy Remy. Uh, yeah, nobody's boy Remy. Uh, Takarajima, Rosa Versailles, Ashtonojo Two, Space Cobra, Rainbow Bright, Mighty Orbots, Bionic Six. Ashtonojo <laughs> first one too. It's yeah, he did Ashtonojo way back in the day. Uh, he was on Lupin the Third. Uh, uh, Astroboy Big X. Yeah, he's like he was an old guy at Mushi Production, so uh, as as old as they come in the Japanese animation industry. Oh, so, I recognize hmm. a lot of these. He he was fucking brilliant. Uh, just genuinely, the the thing that's wild about these is that many of these are just horrendously low budget, but so many of them look good anyway. I say, I mean, back in the sixties and seventies, horrendously low budget was what you got with anime. Yeah, and it's you you definitely see the kind of person who can make to, can make that animation sing anyway. Like Ashtono Joe One is definitely low budget, but it looks good. So, like most of its runtime, because of smart direction by Dezaki. Mm -hmm. Rose of Versailles, that's that's a huge classic as well. Yep. And I'm I a think huge... I watched a, I may have watched a Rainbow Bright movie when I was a kid. I think it was on the Disney Channel. If um, it involved a giant planet or giant planet-sized diamond, then that's the one I'm remembering as well. Okay. Oh god, I forgot yeah. he also directed Golgo 13 the Professional. Glad to see he's back. <laughs> Queen B. Oh man, Queen B. Aim for the Ace, that's a big one. Uh, mm -hmm. And then of course his among his last oh, uh, There's work to do. Up and Adam and a kid with blue hair doing pull-ups. Oh. There's yeah, work to do. Yes! <laughs> yes, oh yes. God. Oh, man, all the memories. My sister had that on VHS. Um, among among this man's last directorial credits were the first four Hamtaro movies. Yeah, I mean... Just, uh, just a man with a lot of range. <laughs> Five different Lupin the Third movies. Yep. No, the TV special. Yeah, the TV specials. TV movies. Those are made for TV movies. Sword for Look Truth. Isn't there Sword a... for Truth. Isn't there a okay. newer loop in the third thing that just came out? Um, there's been a number of loop on the thirds in the past couple of years. They make them all over the place. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's one. Yeah. There was one in Italy, and then I think one in France not long ago. I mean, that, that's one of those series that is perennially rebooted or side-storied or just... Let's give it to another studio, see what they do with it, kind of thing. Yeah, at this point, one of the fascinating things is that Lupin the uh, Third has had a pretty consistent dub cast for over twenty years in English, which is pretty rare. <laughs> it is very rare for English. Yeah, and even weirder is that they actually cool. are. Yeah, like it's it's just weird for a dub cast, but even weirder that they're all actually well cast and good in the roles. <laughs> mm -hmm. But. 
Yeah, if you ever want to just uh, watch something that will have uh, some great animation uh, and, you know, just generally transcend whatever uh, whatever sort of budget or expectation was made of it, uh, I'd recommend go, go look into Osamu Dezaki's catalog. Oh, I forgot. He also, <laughs> speaking of Ashino Joe, he also was director on another of that author's uh, uh, another of that author's uh, big sports manga anime adaptations, Karari Baka Ichidai, which uh, very very influential uh, in terms of. Uh, helping instill in modern uh, Japanese audiences the Ryu archetype. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah. He directed the anime version of Clanad. Yep, that was his last job. It's tragic. <laughs> Clanad. Okay. Yep. But yeah, uh, and if you just want to watch something uh, extremely silly and eighties, I recommend uh, Space Adventure Cobra. Ton of fun. Oh yes, Cobra is fun and different, and really depends on also which iteration of the series you're reading. So. Yeah, uh, I think that the version that's there's like thirty episodes of Osamu Dezuki's Cobra. That has uh, that has an English Blu-ray release that is just uh, gorgeous and extremely like late seventies, early eighties aesthetically, and mm-hmm. just honestly a ton of fun if that's something that you're into. Yeah, uh, Cobra. Whoever or whoever originally came up with Cobra was obviously a very big fan of Edgar Rice Burroughs' style storytelling too. Oh, 100%. Um, uh, this, is, this is a very pulpy and very um, male-oriented. Series. Yeah, it's uh, unapologetically. So uh, So the the creator of Cobra is Buichi Terasawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cobra, the character, is modeled after a specific French actor whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, let me see who was... Uh, okay. If I can just... Hey, this sounds cool. Well, In Johnson's Virtual Adventures, he becomes the notorious space pirate Cobra who fights low-life scum by day and saves space women by night. Very pulpy. Uh, Johnson discovers his his experience wasn't a dream, but a reawakening of his buried past. Okay. Yeah, that all happens in episode one. It's incredible. Um, yeah, that, that's the, the okay. first volume of the manga. Actually, the first episode in the first volume of the manga. Yeah. So, okay. uh, Cobra himself is like his design is modeled after French actor Jean Paul Belmondo, and uh, but uh, and Cobra himself is a huge influence on the design of, say, Dante from Devil May Cry, avowedly so. Uh, okay. But. Uh, the the other thing I was going to say about Cobra that's incredible is that so he has like the the this very uh, a sort of rough looking face. Uh, 
he's he's not as uh, traditionally handsome as someone like say a Captain Harlock, who I bring up mostly because uh, that face is not his original face. He got it via plastic surgery when he was hiding his identity. And the anime, at least, has a flashback to what he in the first episode to what he looked like before he got plastic surgery, and he just looked like a knockoff of Captain Harlock. <laughs> Whereas at, for his regular look for the rest of the show, it's pretty much the look of somebody who's had his face beaten in a few times and has peeled back. Yeah, he's very broken he, nose. When when his like when his robot friend Lady Armoroid asks him if he wants his old face back, he's just like, "No, nah, I got used to this one. I think I'll keep it." Yeah. Wow. Also, yeah. very obvious that this is the same guy who did Ashton No Joe because again, this guy's face looks like it was a former boxer's. <laughs> Different artists, but you can definitely tell Dazaki had his hands on both of those shows. Yes. But yeah, a uh, big, big. But yeah, I love, I love uh, Dazaki's entire like catalog. But I have a special place in my heart for Ashton No Joe and uh, Space Adventure Cobra for very different reasons. <laughs> but Ashtonojo Joe's a ton of fun. There is an episode where he, like a three or four episode arc actually, where he infiltrates his way into a prison and has to play a like weird space prison sports game that's just baseball where you're allowed to kill each other mm. and baseballs are fired out of cannons. Mm. <laughs> it's a truly absurd premise and it's it's a lot of fun it's it's a very fun show <laughs> but <laughs> yeah uh to hit back to the initial one of the initial questions uh fire says counterpoint a lot of digimon antagonists are weirdly freaking serious that's because you had uh fucking chiaki konaka and uh god what is his fucking name the guy who went on and directed like summer wars what was his fucking name uh, hmm? hello well, hello hello uh let's see what was his uh, well, mamoru, we don't know mamoru his Hosoda. Name, right? no i found it mamoru hosada uh, both of the like those people ended up having uh, a lot of influence on Digimon anime for some reason, and they tended to produce weirdly serious things. Like, what if the Digimon characters were involved in trying to prevent a rogue AI from causing a nuclear strike? Oh, okay. Play nowadays, we can say that rogue AI would not be able to make anything cohesive. We've no. learned so much. By learning how stupid Markov chains are. Uh, that's because what we call AI is oh. AI. Yeah, that's why I said Markov chains. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> a Markov chain is just a chain where, like, something you like its its next thing is based on what it considers to be the most likely follow-up. Okay. It's a glorified um, whatever it is when auto suggests the next word in your. Text. Yeah, pretty much. It's automation. Oh, just now, um, here on Twitter, I'm seeing a. Uh, you love this. Um, somebody is attempting to advertise a, uh, um, li a limited learning machine um, to make your own episodes of uh, like uh, animated shows or things. Mm -hmm. Generative TV and showrunner. 
stuff. Um, show <laughs> one will write and make direct voice edit for you. And their demonstration video on this ad here oh, for table no. simulation is a 10-minute AI-directed South Park episode. Okay. Oh, that sounds like the worst idea in human history. Yeah, I watched oh, yeah. that. And, and yeah. It says here, we use South Park for research only, all caps. We won't be releasing okay. ability to make your own South Park episodes, not our IP. I'm like, somehow I'm doubting that they asked for permission when they did this. Probably not. not our IP, and but so we're how using much longer will this company be surviving? Not yeah. long. This was a bad oh, I thought you were... idea, whoever did this. I thought you were talking about the episode of South Park that was actually written with AI. Okay. So no. Was there one? Bad. Um, uh, it was recent. It was the the last latest season. Um, it was the, the what happened is the the boys are using Chat GPT to create responses to their girlfriends because they're too lazy and stupid to actually come up with real responses to their texts, and then the girls like just i don't know the responses apparently are so good that the girls like fall madly in love with them it's, uh, it's the... i have no idea this is definitely not the thing i'm seeing here <laughs> uh, okay okay so for wheels's benefit uh just a markov chain uh is just as essentially a chain where the only thing that it's worried about is what is most likely after the thing that is has currently happened. Okay. So when you get like Markov chains from bots, they end up degenerating in, into endless, like end of the that sort of thing. <laughs> because well, that's what the most previous event. You're you're getting glorified versions of that. What's the most likely next thing that will happen in the sentence? Not a considered response. Um, and no concept of how things fit together or continue. Mm. With thing. Yeah. Yeah, the one, it's um, one of the reasons why we, it's pretty obvious that you're not going to be able to get AI um, or um, LM created novels anytime soon that makes sense. Yeah. Whether it's the concerns more of flooding the already flooded market with more slush. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's getting. The positive thing, it's really so... easy to pinpoint. Um, mm hmm. It's getting late. I want to knock off one more question from the question list, and then we'll, this one should be fairly short. Uh, our mother and Bokunanati asked me, games for children, or are they for adults who look back at their childhood? I mean, a little of both, but I think primarily they connect most with the latter. <laughs> uh, there's, there's just a lot of wistful nostalgia in both of them. <sighs> but yeah, uh, I think we should probably wrap it up now because it's very late and I'm quite tired. <laughs> All right. Guy John. Tell us about books. Yes, so, um, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor is still running a crowdfunder campaign through the 31st. Um, it is very likely to not be making any of the goals involved. Very, very unlikely. Um, but we're going to keep trying anyway, see mm -hmm. how it goes, have a learning experience. 
So, uh, yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Um, if you enjoy tabletop gaming, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop gaming, and this is an entire thing these days, and if you are interested in seeing this play out in narrative text format on either ebook or Dead Tree, then we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu, Y A R I M I Z U, on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Thank you. Mm hmm. And again, we do have a crowdfunder. It is currently it says two percent. That is a lie. It's one point six percent. It's ten days left, so it's yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. But check it out anyway. Have fun. Yeah, give it a give it at least a look. Put in some votes at the very least. And, and Useful data. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks going out to f friends of the show, Fire Miner and Strawberry Eggs for actually money where their mouth is. Thank you very much. Um, so rest assured, rest assured that question. you will probably not be charged for anything for donation because this is an all-or-nothing campaign, and it is certainly going to be nothing. Okay, that was going to be my question. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, it's uh, worth a shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like I, not like it's going to stop me from actually getting any of the things I need to get. It just would have been nice to help. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Support that. Okay. Um, Joe. Okay. I am Smoking Joe Gamer on Twitch.tv and YouTube and Mastodon. Um, trying to get away from Yay. trying to get away from Meta, ugh. and I can't. I can't cancel my Instagram account. It cannot be done. So, anyways, yeah, um, for you. So, yeah, because what it does is, so I was able to deactivate Facebook, and then I go to do it with Instagram, and I normally log in with my Facebook password, but it's asking me for, what's your Instagram password? And I put in what I think it is, and it tells me it's wrong. I say, reset password. It sends me a text. I click the link in the text. It says, server not found. <laughs> so. Incredible. Wonderful. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, Billion dollar company yes. at work here. I'm doing uh, still doing JRPG July, my own thing, not not affiliated with RP Gamer. Um, <laughs> but I did stream. Uh, I recently did Final Fantasy 13, and then Episode Eight was East Eight, and Episode Nine was East Nine. <laughs> and last night, Episode Ten was uh, Lunar Silver Star for PS One. So, um, just going to keep doing that for the rest of the month, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing next month. Probably mm. just random stuff. <sighs> so, check that out and follow whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, uh you can ask us questions like dear friend Fireminer did. You can ask them via the comment section. I checked and we didn't have any over the past few weeks, but I always keep track as best I can. Uh, you can also ask them via the Discord. If you go to harveygamer.com and click on the community tab, you can get access to the Discord, which is a lovely community, whether you want to ask us questions or not. But if you want to throw some questions to us in the podcast section, we always appreciate it. But otherwise, uh, 
we can also you can ask us questions in the comment section of the or not the comment section the chat of the uh the, the chat of the twitch stream if you catch us streaming live we stream every thursday from uh 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern until one or all of us is too tired to continue uh but otherwise uh you can also catch us on sundays for sunday night shenanigans Shenanigans. uh where we have been playing street fighter 6 that will get a slight break soon because wheels is quite insistent for a group playthrough of remnant 2 how insistent yes how insistent we all bought three copies (laughs) we all bought three copies yes already um Uh, yeah so also as far as asking us for questions i'm finding it hard at this point to see threads not being a new big thing so i will probably create a account for the show there so people can ask us questions there and i can post when the show is and other things are going live but as far as interacting with me directly i will not be using it for that ever so it seems like a bad method of interaction by virtue of the fact that it's not sorted by time in any fashion. Yes. <laughs> don't don't use threads. Don't do it. I am don't do it. To ignore it. Interesting red flags involved. Dozens yes, of interesting red flags. Well, I, I will plan on using it for nothing more than hey, if you want to send us a question that way, then that will be an option sometime new, in the future. New episode is posted because. Uh, Twitter is dying. Yeah. I don't know if people really realize this, but Twitter <laughs> is dying. Oh, we've known this for a long time, yes. and the self DDoS at the start of this month really made it obvious. Um, what a time. What a time. Brain yes. genius moves. I, I always find it funny. Look, you, if you looked at the trending things, it used to be very large numbers, and those numbers are steadily declining. And it turns out when you privilege the worst possible things in the algorithm, people decide they don't need to be there anymore. Yes. Yep. Uh, I don't know. You can interact with me on co-host. Any of the other social media networks properly, so I'm kind of stuck right now. Yeah. Yeah. You can interact with me on co-host. I think you're going to be using threads. Uh, I would not condemn a man to that. I wouldn't either, but at like, this point, it's like it's connected to an already popular social media platform. So I can't. I just, just looking at it, I can't see it not becoming the replacement. It it yeah. just the the writing's kind of on the wall at this point. Okay. I've tried. I've tried to get Mastodon to work, and it just it's. It's yeah. I I understand. It's just. It's too like niche a platform to be to mm-hmm. to be for anything other than um, I don't know just friendly conversations about things and that's not really promotion and or reaching a wide audience at all mm-hmm. uh, but certainly if you want to reach us there please do because it's cool 
Uh, yeah, we're avoid, there where you'd expect us to be. If you can avoid threads, do it. But yeah, I, I'll be happy. I, I will be happy if something nicer. I hope you're wrong. Replaces Twitter, <laughs> but I, I just don't see it. Nope. But yeah, so. <sighs> but yeah, so for now, uh, I don't know. You can find us on those places. Yes. Uh, or just, just join the Discord. The RP Gamer Discord is yeah, great. There's lots of cool people there. And it's not algorithmically sorted. <laughs> Go to the podcast yeah. chat room. You can ask questions there. Or tell us, us we your... suck. That yeah. happens sometimes. They're rarely. But... <laughs> or give us feedback like, hey, this is too loud. Or, hey, this is too quiet. We appreciate it because we're just doing this for fun. So if something's wrong, up. please let us know and we will fix it. You know, or if yeah. we ever piss you off because I said something stupid, please tell me. Because I know probably I it was probably about Breath of Fire. Yeah, I've done that in a while though. Yeah, no, you haven't. For, you've been on your best behavior for a it's little. True, it, and it's probably because I had Horizon. Forbidden West <laughs> Yeah, for Horizon to, pun- to be a punching bag. Yes. But yeah, so that, that's our that's our plugs for the day. Uh, be sure to catch a catch us streaming on shenanigans on twitch.tv slash askwheels. But otherwise, see ya Space Cowboys. See ya. See ya. And they made a special Fireman. crystal murder. Just for every... something about your campaigns. Why didn't you set the campaign? Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up in the middle of the podcast. Uh, that means you can still get the donation even if your goal hasn't been reached yet. Yeah, since that since that was a more personal thing, I didn't want to bring that yeah, up for fair. the podcast. Uh, all or nothing. Just the way things worked out. Uh, Hot take. Stranger Paradise I'm, is I'm way better than the I'm more 29 people who have hit like on this. So. Mm-hmm. Well. Also, so you'll, find, you'll find no one more at home with that uh, opinion than me. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not quite sure what else I could have done with this since this was literally quite a last-minute thing. And yeah. Like, the only other thing I could have done was add a video, which would not have worked because the last the week I was doing this last minute thing was the same week where I had no workable voice. Uh. Yeah, that's one of those things. Right. Like, you know, you, you learn a bit, but there's also uh, for for maybe perhaps one day making another attempt at it. But you also run into the issue of just like there's a lot of a lot of other factors at play. Including the campaign starting on the very same day that your principal means of promoting things decides to commit suicide. Love Twitter. What a wonderful yeah. platform. And what an awful person in charge of it. it yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. It was really nice while it lasted. I know there were yeah. issues, but. There were, like, good things cool. that came out of it. Yes. <laughs> so, how is Blue Sky supposed to be going on right now? Uh, it's just corporatized Mastodon, so I don't know how that can well be work out. that additional structure can be nice though. For yeah. sure. And I mean, the the main issue I'm having with Mastodon is figuring out how to 
anybody to pay attention. Uh, I feel like that's a, that's as much an issue of critical mass of users. So yeah. yeah. See how that goes. I mean, that's always been the general issues. Like, Twitter is awful, but Twitter is also slightly more effective than Amazon's own marketing service at this point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I... And only... In any case, unfortunately, so is randomly screaming into the void. <laughs> yeah. And I would love for Blue Sky to be the next big thing, but... It's it's tough to be a brand new platform instead of like an extension. Of we attached this at the hip of an incredibly it, popular right, platform because I know I believe Instagram was already way bigger than Twitter to begin with. Yeah, that makes sense. However, some of the annual issues with Threads are going to be interesting to watch for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including the part where you can't get rid of Threads without deleting your own Instagram account. And you can't delete Instagram. And Threads also attempts to uh, thread itself into all of your Facebook stuff too. Apparently. Yep. Well, thankfully, I don't. Including, have, I don't including have any multiple of that accounts. <laughs> including it, you have multiple accounts that you do not normally wish to have crossed over. Well, supposedly, if you have Instagram, you're already on Threads. Whether yeah. you signed up for it or not. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. They're all the same. They're all the same platform now. Everything's the same. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go to bed because I'm very tired. All right. See you. Well, here we are. Yeah. We'll turn to Tumblr. Fireminer. No, I will not. Fireminer. Uh, my face. I attempted, I attempted Tumblr many years ago, and again, it's like. How do you get? Any, how do you manage anything on this platform? I do not know. Tried all sorts of things. It's like nothing works. Did you so, when you join Mastodon? You did you join like the main server? Main server, yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that's um? Which I think I clicked a link through. Somebody gave me on Twitter, or and then it just automatically put me on social. Yeah, I'm on mastodon.social. Yeah. yeah. And I have one... Oh, wait. I'm following two people, and I have one follower. Wow. What it's, that? it's me. I know. Oh, pro tip. In mm-hmm. addition to people, you can follow hashtags. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you're supposed to realize if nobody follows any of the hashtags I that are appropriate yeah, to what I'm doing. Yeah, it's uh I mean I've I've like linked to the podcast and like put out you know, a streaming now types of things and they don't seem mm-hmm. to reach anyone, so that's why I feel like I'm yeah. gonna have to create a threads thing for that. Sure. Well, what I do on Mastodon is I just go to search and it just shows me a bunch of posts and I tend to agree with most of what I see. So these are my people, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you go and look at, just look for typical hashtags and you can see that yeah, this is not highly, highly populated. No, it's no. not. No. 
That's really the only reason I'm still on Twitter is the entire community that I'm trying to work with here is on Twitter still. Yeah. As a group, they have not decided whether, where it actually works to go. Uh, I mean, I still my account still exists just to look at stuff, but yeah. Well, that's why I made that my own Discord server, and and that's just that I thought I was going to get more people who wanted to be on it, and so I go to my all my whole friends list on Facebook, like, hey, who wants to join my Discord server? And one person was like, what's the? And that was it. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. Facebook is mm -hmm. for the olds. I know. No one I know. Knows what Discord is. And when I went on Facebook and said, hey, there's a social media site with no ads and yes. better moderation and no hate speech, and it's called Mastodon, what he gave a shit. Yes. When I said I was deleting my Facebook, who do you think was the only people to complain? I know, my, your parents. My parents. Right. And that's why no one will switch to yes. Mastodon, because they're like, my, my parents will murder me if they can't see yes. pictures of the grandkids. So I, have, I, have a, I technically have a Facebook but, account that I don't use just so i can say i'm still following them on facebook even though i only log in to look at the to look at what's coming out at the local comic book store this week don't even look at my parents <laughs> the reason i still have facebook is specifically in case of natural disaster and i need to let the largest number of people related to me know what's going on mm, yeah i can definitely see you having an actual need yeah. for it for sure Yep, because two two thousand eleven, see the, yeah uh, like early um, the uh, special edition newspaper in the convenience store. I'm like, oh crap, and I have to run home to a message on Facebook saying I am nowhere near that earthquake. Please calm down. <laughs> and not even heard about it until just now. Yep, I remember that. I was, I remember when that happened exactly because I was driving into Pax East. Stuck in Boston traffic and was hearing about it on the radio. Well, my my dad lives in Texas, and it's a big state. So at one point, the coast was getting hit by a hurricane, and I had all these people asking me, "Is your dad okay?" I'm like, "He's like literally like a hundred miles away from it." Uh, mm -hmm. It's wild. 